0: Hi, and welcome to NACIO Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock, recording from NACIO's home city in Lexington, Kentucky.
1: And I'm Matt Pincus, coming to you live from Washington, D.C. On today's NACIO Voices, we will be joined by Wisconsin CIO David Cadigal who is one of our currently longest-tenured state CIOs.
0: David has been the CIO for Wisconsin since 2012 and has worked for two different governors of different political parties. We're excited to find out more about that and the work David is doing in Wisconsin. David, thanks so much for joining us on NACIO Voices.
2: Thank you very much for the invitation. look forward to it.
1: So, David, let's start off by talking a little bit about your background. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up as the state CIO in Wisconsin? Sure. I've worked professionally
2: in the private sector uh, most of my career, and I started with the state in November 2012. And how that came to be is that uh, Chris Shane here, he and I worked at Alliant Energy. I had moved to uh, Madison, Wisconsin in 2004, and I'd met Chris there. And then uh, he left a year earlier than me, but he went to work as a deputy for the uh, department administration, and we kept in touch. And then when I left Align Energy the following year, he asked if I would consider joining. Uh, honestly, I did not know what I was getting myself into. I can frankly say that. Uh, It was an enormous uh, change, not only from scale and operation, but just uh, on any dimension, on any measure, it's quite different. But in retrospect, after working for the state for a number of years, I would highly recommend that everyone, professionally speaking, should do a stint in government, whether it's an internship or your first job out of college or in your later years as you approach retirement, as it is with me, that you, you do that so that you have a an understanding of what it takes to run government at the federal, state, and local level. So just to back up, I moved into uh, Madison, uh, as I said, for Lion Energy in 2004 and worked there until 2012, and then I joined the state, getting connected with Chris Schoenier, He nominated me for an appointment, and that went through the, the various screening mechanisms and hurdles, and uh, finally, they appointed me as the chief information officer for the state of Wisconsin that's how I got together with Chris and with the state of Wisconsin.
1: That's great. Well, I know Amy and I know this firsthand from spending time with you, but you definitely do have a passion for public service and definitely can see how that has rubbed off on your colleagues. And, you know, you did also mention that you have been CIO since 2012. You've worked for governors from different political parties, which really is not that common among state CIOs historically. Can you talk about whether there are any challenges associated working for not only different administrations, but also working for governors from opposing political parties? If I was on the
2: governor's cabinet, that might have made a difference, may even enhance the probability. But I work for the Department of Administration. I work for the secretary of the Department of Administration. He serves on the cabinet, and I think he's the he's the linchpin. He's the key cabinet member for the state. All the other agencies uh, defer to uh, Joel Brennan as well as the, his predecessors. He's the fourth secretary that I've worked for while sitting here in my in my position. Everything's changed around me while I stayed in my office. So the differences between the Republicans and the Democrats uh, and I I really don't mean anything by what I'm going to say is that the Republicans just seem to appear to have been more fiscally responsible, more concerned with spending dollars that they have. And they created a surplus. Governor Walker had inherited a, a deficit and within a year or two had created the surplus. It was sitting in a good position, especially when we're going into COVID-19. The Democrats uh, are are fiscally responsible as well, but they seem to have a greater concern for social programs and the citizens sure. of the state. And and again, I'm not saying that the Republicans did not, but there just seems to be a, a slight difference in that regard. But bottom line and priorities. Right. Different agendas, different priorities. And you have to remember that a legislature is still dominated by the Republicans. So Governor Evers has his hands full. And surprisingly enough, Governor Walker had his hands full with the Republican legislature. They didn't see issues the same way. The legislature had had their way of looking at the uh, issues as well as the governor. So it's not all that it makes out to be in terms of having a single party running all three government segments. There still are some differences and some difficulties. One thing that I really want to uh, make sure everybody understands, the CIO and the technology dimension of government is basically agnostic. You know, we we pay our people, we pay our vendors, we book our financials, we we're administratively processing transactions at the data center all day long, every 24 hours, every day of the week, every month. It's still basically an infrastructure that we provide services to the agencies and the agencies then in turn in their missions serve the citizens to the best of their ability. When a person walks up to the DMV counter, it doesn't make any difference whether it's a Republican governor or a Democratic governor. So I think safe to say that most CIOs, especially if they're not on the cabinet, and I know there are a few CEOs that are secretaries and sit on the cabinets, and they're very much engaged in that dialogue and setting priorities, but I was not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. And, and you know, I can say, having been a part of the NASIO staff for almost six years and spending time in a room with about all 50 CIOs any given year, you wouldn't know based on the conversations that they're having what party they work for in any given state because the issues really are the same on the CIO level, really is a nonpartisan thing. So as you mentioned, you've been CIO for roughly eight years and technology obviously rapidly changes and advances on an almost daily basis. So eight years is kind of a long time in technology years. Can you talk about some of the biggest changes in technology from the beginning of your appointment as CIO to today?
2: Yes, and, and I, I think it started even when I was a CIO at Alliant Energy. What really impacts any CIO, public or private, is consumer technology. Consumers have learned a lot about how to use technology. It's like the fifth grader in the K-12 school knowing more than the teacher. And it's there's a big gap between the expectations of consumer technology, mobile phones, laptops, uh, computing, the internet, the Google, all, all of those technologies have set expectations that we, as uh, providers of services, are there's a big disconnect. When you can buy an app, in fact, you don't need to buy an app. Most of the apps are free. And when we we deliver a hundred million dollar project, there's a big disconnect in understanding uh, what's the difference between this app and this ERP system that you're going to implement. Why does it cost so much and why does it take so long? So one of the things that we continually have to do is manage the expectations of technology and have them understand the responsibilities that a large data center has, as opposed to your iPhone. That's something that shouldn't be taken lightly. Uh, but some of the technologies that we're working on over the last eight years or so, and even before me, was the consolidation of our data centers, implementing an ERP, broadband services across the state for uh, state offices, schools, and libraries. And one of the things that state CIOs have to constantly worry about is when you have a great idea, you need to make sure it's a mature technology. It's not beta. It's not leading edge. It's not that the left side of the hype cycle. It's got to be creeping up to the peak, not to the point where it's obsolete. but a very mature technology. And then you need to work through the RFP process and making sure that after a year's worth of negotiation, you finally have been able to implement the technology. And no sooner do you implement it, the game has changed already. And you're already looking at a next generation technology product that may replace it. Mm -hmm. So state CIOs have have a difficult partnership with the procurement group. I'm proud to say that I've enjoyed my relationship with the procurement in the state of Wisconsin. They've been very responsive, but they have to do their due diligence. They have to make sure that it's a competitive and fair process in which we select the provider, et cetera, et cetera. So Just take away those two things, consumer technology perceptions as we deal with our reality on production-ready, secured app systems, and then the acquisition of new technologies at the right time to be able to to meet the needs that you're trying to address.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. So what are some of your top priorities in Wisconsin right now? And have they pretty much stayed the same over the last several years, or do they tend to change up pretty often?
2: I can tell you that one particular change in the last 60 days and this is our unemployment insurance. Sure. And we collect the the strategies from the IT directors. As I said, I'm the state CIO, but I have 30 IT directors that we work collaboratively with, and they're embedded in the agencies. They don't report to me. There's about 2,500 people in IT. If I add up the staffs that belong to those 30 CIOs, including my staff of about 350, in aggregating all of us together, we we submit our strategic plans annually to my office. And so I get to see this. So as we look at the technology debt over the agencies, three systems come to mind. The unemployment insurance application, our CARES system for uh, health services, and our DMV. Any modernization effort is a multi-year approaching a 100 million dollar effort when you look at these systems and the reason that's the reason why they're so old is it 10 20 30 years old decades old is because it's too expensive to implement and remove the existing system that may be running on a mainframe the crisis today the pandemic and covid-19 has certainly put the uh, unemployment insurance under the microscope in all 50 states i think a handful of states have already completed the modernization they're in good place And I think that they're doing much better than we are. We were at 3% unemployment. We had 50 people answering the calls. And now in in a matter of a couple of months, three months, we've gone from 50 people answering calls to soon to be 1,300 people answering the calls. And we went from 3% unemployment to 14% unemployment. And that's just the state of Wisconsin. And I think you've read at the national level, it's surpassed 40 million people that are unemployed. That's an example of an application that needs to be modernized. And I wish we could get it done by, by the end of the summer, but it'll take probably about three years to remediate that situation. That's one of many systems that we have to modernize and look at, but the funding of it is uh, so difficult to acquire that kind of money. Mm-hmm. We did do an ERP in the past, and uh, that cost us over $100 million, and it was about two-and-a-half-year project. And it was implemented successfully with with our partners and our agencies. But for us to uh, tighten the belt again and take on something uh, that enormous is always very difficult. It takes a lot of research and a lot of procurement activities to get that launched. So the modernization is one area that we're looking at. The other area COVID-19 accentuated this is our digital transformation, uh, self-service portals, enabling the citizens to defend for themselves, so to speak that they would be able to uh, satisfy their needs or ask their questions with a, a chat bot or some way of being able to renew your licenses online. And we do have that. And we've got commercial driver's license tests online. We've got a number of things online. One-stop business portal for new new businesses coming into Wisconsin, that's all online. And we've got a number of those that we should be looking at taking that on. We, we have more than a hundred services that we've uh, engaged with our Nick partner here in Wisconsin. Used to be called Wisconsin Interactive Networks. It's now just rebranded uh, last week to Nick Wisconsin. And then the digital transformation with self-services, the second one. The third, the third area, which is just now uh, coming into focus for us, is that our need for us, what we refer to as a chief analytics officer. We were just about ready to do the evaluations of some resumes that were sitting in in our queue, but they they have a hiring freeze now. So uh, maybe towards the latter part of the year we'll be able to bring somebody on. We've all seeing what the appetite for analytics are today. And it's something that we really need to apply some time and attention to. So those three areas, uh, modernization, digital transformation, and the data analytics uh, segment of our business, we're, we're drowning in data, but we certainly lack the, the appropriate information that I think would be of value.
1: So, David, you know, one thing that that we've spent a fair amount of time talking about previously is cybersecurity. And I'm um, interested to get your thoughts on how your agency has invested in and emphasized the importance of cyber uh, hygiene and cybersecurity in general in your state. I would have bet my last dollar that we would be suffering the way we are today as a result
2: of of a cyber attack, Mm -hmm. Uh, something that would have taken out our power grid, something that would have disabled the economy, that would have destroyed a democracy as a result of an attack. And uh, here we are in the pandemic out of left field. This came from nowhere that basically accomplished the same thing. Uh, a lot of revisiting of our coup plans and understanding how well we positioned to recover. Uh, I'm proud to say that we responded very well. We sent about 30,000 employees home overnight. I think on Friday they said, you're, you're gonna be working from home on Monday. And uh, depending on the, the network capability and the ISP provider in, in the residence uh, that they've been able to um, transition very well. But coming back to cybersecurity, I'd say since 2013, shortly after I got here, we hired our uh, Chief Information Security Officer, our CISO, Bill Nash, and he later won the Thomas Jarrett Award. But he's done a a wonderful job in establishing a strategy and reaching out to uh, many others that are part of this uh, equation. The state all by itself cannot do it. We need uh, partners, and we count on the National Guard, the Department of Military Affairs, as a major, major partner for us to collaborate and then extend that circle into the private arena, specifically the utilities, and uh, working with the Public Service Commission with that introduction, and and we've got the major utilities bought into the need for this. And so I I used to be a member of the Homeland Security Council with General Dunbar, and because of transitions, we've got a new general that I have have not met yet, Major General Paul Knapp. I chaired a a working group for the state of Wisconsin, and they meet uh, monthly, and we have about 120 people on the call, public and private. And we go through our our list of issues. And we also have cybersecurity awareness training for all the state employees. We've done that for four years, going on five years now. That's helped us out a lot with phishing attacks.
1: So as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you are one of the longest serving state CIOs. And given how many new CIOs we've had in the last year or so, do you have a piece of key advice or a lesson learned that you can impart to your fellow colleagues? Yes. Uh,
2: actively become a member of NASIO. <laughs> um, we didn't pay you I, to say that. <laughs> uh, I sincerely mean it. Like I said, November 12 is when I started and I went through the new orientation for CIOs uh, the spring of 2013. There were seven of us and I'm the last one, all the other six have, have left. But that was the kickoff of uh, being able to understand the the enormity of, of my task relative to other states. Let me uh, talk from both sides of this issue. While NASIO brings us all together, 50 CIOs, I, had, I had really looked forward to that first meeting uh, to be able to engage with them. I'm happy that we meet twice a year. We cannot spend enough time with one another. Granted, there's probably no two CIOs that have the same issues, but generally speaking, We all work for state government. We all have our legislature impacts. We all are saddled with technical debt. We're all addressing some uh, new technology that's on the horizon. We fundamentally have the same issues, but there's nuances and wrinkles that sets us apart. I would not compare myself to the East Coast or the West Coast, but within FEMA Region 5, The six states that make up that region, were pretty homogenous. We're pretty much the same. We look at one another and the Midwest has some very similar issues. So if I were to advise a new state CIO, get connected with the states, partner up with some states that look like you. There are clusters of states that have the same population, the same issues. In our case, it was FEMA Region 5. We depend on each other. The CIOs know each other well. The CISOs know each other well. Internally, uh, in the state... Understand the the culture and the staff that you have and the leadership that will support you. I have been fortunate over the years to have strong deputies that allow me to work externally. So they can run the business day to day. That's a very important part of the CIOs is to understand your leadership team, understand your legislature and, and the governor's agenda, and making sure that you clearly have prioritized the needs of the state. Uh, you cannot be chasing your favorite uh, technology because you have a propensity to immerse yourself in it. You have to be able to look at the agencies that you serve. Like I said earlier, there's there's 30 IT directors, and uh, I'm not going to do a whole lot of research and reading on DMV. That's going to be Mike Kesnick who's going to do that. Uh, I can depend on uh, Rick Hoffenbecker for DOR. Uh, he's got that uh, well wired and doing very well. Neeraj, uh, Department of Workforce Development, is working through his unemployment insurance issues, and I can help him on infrastructure point of view. My responsibility is the infrastructure. Uh, All the servers, storage, and network equipment are provided to the agencies. We are like a private cloud uh, provider to the agencies. I'm confident that if a, a CIO can understand those dimensions, who they serve, why they're serving them, and all the people that have input to your strategies, like the legislature and the governor. Just understand uh, that model and uh, all should be well. Like any other job, the the fastest and the best way you can assess the culture and the culture that's there will be to your benefit.
0: Great. Thanks so much for that. Okay. Now, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and this is a segment we like to call the lightning round. We ask you three questions about your life outside of work. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Madison is home to some fantastic restaurants and breweries. Can you tell us about your favorite food?
2: Coming from Chicago, I used to be a hot dog guy. And now that I've been in Wisconsin 15 years, I've certainly been accustomed to brats. And, yes. and brat, brats are a great food. State Street brats, if you've ever been to Wisconsin, State Street is, uh, leads you right into the campus at, at UW. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's a great place. And uh, you, you really cannot get in there when there's a home game. And even some of the games that are away, uh, the alumni and the students, they just pack that place.
0: That's probably my favorite Wisconsin food. Although when I visited there, I discovered that you have something called grilling cheese, which is cheese that you can grill. I thought that was pretty interesting.
2: (laughs) Yes, and and, uh, cheese curds, too.
0: Yes. (laughs) All right. Question two. We've been stuck in our homes for almost three months now during the pandemic. When it's safe to travel again, where do you want to visit?
2: obviously my kids. I got three kids in Chicago and one in the the Detroit area. So once it's been lifted, I'd like to see and get reacquainted with my family.
0: I bet. Oh, man. Okay. Last question. Aside from work, which I think kind of keeps us all a little bit grounded, what are you doing to keep sane and active during these times?
2: I'm being very cautious and I'm not going, you know, I'm not drifting too far from home. So we've just been working around the house. I don't think our house has ever been this clean. We've cleaned it and cleaned it again and again and again. So uh, Whether it's the lawn, the the landscape, the windows, which I did over the weekend, Mm -hmm. uh, just cleaning house.
0: Got to spend all your time there. Got to make it worth it, right? (laughs) Right.
2: You know, working from home, I, I sit... In front of the house, and I've got windows out there. I didn't realize all these people lived in the neighborhood. They're they're either running, biking, or walking back and forth, back and forth. I didn't. There's people I've never even seen before.
0: Yeah, same here.
1: Well, David, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Always great to to chat with you, and we hope hopefully we can see you in person one day soon. I look forward to it, uh, Matt and Amy. Thanks very
2: much for the invitation to speak with you and. I look forward to hearing the podcast.
0: Great. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening to NASIO Voices.
1: If you're enjoying NASIO Voices, and I don't know how you couldn't be, please consider leaving us a review. And don't forget to subscribe if you don't already.
0: Yes. Talk to you next time.
1: Bye-bye.